nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature
faithful counselor, almighty God, everlasting, wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting Man, hey, what a blessing. Uh, such a privilege to be with you guys tonight. Um, this is our School of Worship choir, School of Worship, and we're so blessed by them. And uh, we're going to sing O Holy Night, one of my favorite Christmas songs.
shadows deepen we do but do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through we do do you wish that you could see it all made new creation groaning is. is a new creation coming 
It is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? That's why we're gathered here tonight, because Jesus is most worthy. 
He's worthy. Everybody ascribes value and worth to something. And, and that's really where worship comes in, right? We, we see Jesus as most worthy. Um, others see other things as worthy of their worship, affection, devotion. And yet, we know from the Bible, we know from experience that God is most worthy. Um, let's, uh, let's stand one more time if you wouldn't mind. I know the desserts look amazing. Um, and now that we'd be parting from that dessert for a quick moment. But... Um, you know, you can do it. I believe. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds keep their watching or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a glory light. Oh, go tell it on. Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born Shepherds feared and trembled They go up on the earth Bring out the angels chorus That hail the Savior speaker this evening is Shannon Quintana, and as you probably figured out, she was actually part of the choir tonight. She was over here singing um, on the microphone, and she is so much fun. I'm just getting to know her and becoming fast friends. Um, Shannon is a worship leader, a speaker. She has her own podcast. She's so much fun. Um, she's also a PK. Um, her mom and dad actually, Pastor Bill Welsh and Joy Welsh from Refuge Calvary Huntington Beach. And if some of you remember, her dad is actually the one who came and performed, uh, what was it called? The Shepherd of Bethlehem. How many of you saw that? 
when he came and did that. So that's Shanna's daddy. So, and her sister's here, Bethany, tonight, this evening. So such a blessing. So with that, um, let's give a warm welcome to Shannon. That was such a warm welcome and such a nice introduction. Thank you. You guys have seen my dad do the shepherd? That is so special. When I was little, I can't remember how old I was when he first started doing The Shepherd, but this was back when there were tapes. You remember tapes? And we would have the job, me and my sister, because I think we were the ones who were old enough to be responsible enough to know the cues to hit the music. So anytime I hear him perform or see that he's performing, I'm like, um, you're missing your cue back there. It's supposed to be starting now. But yeah, super fun. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. You guys look so beautiful. Uh, my sister and I walked in here and we were like, oh my gosh, everybody looks so pretty. So nice job. You look beautiful. If you weren't sure when you left the house, let me assure you, you look good. So nicely done. Well, hey, I want to open with a story. We're talking about jubilation tonight. And I want to tell you about a time when I had a sense of jubilation a little prematurely. Okay. I feel like we're in the trust tree. Are we in the trust tree in here? Do I have everybody's word? Yeah. Oh, it's like three people's word. Are we in the trust tree or are we not in the trust tree? Okay. We're in the trust tree. Okay. I am a woman who loves to play games. Okay. My dad made everything into a game. Have you ever played football on a restaurant table with either a folded up piece of paper or a quarter? You know, you got to push it all the way to the end, but not off. So I am a girl who is very competitive and turns everything into a game. So one day, I know I heard an uh-oh, yeah, it's bad. It's funny though. So here we go. One night I had made lettuce wraps. This is important to the story. I don't just want to tell you I'm a great cook. I don't think I'm a great cook. I'm okay. Anyway, we're getting off this topic. So I would made lettuce wraps. It's important to the story because my daughters were clearing the table And one of them passed me by with a plate that had a piece of romaine lettuce on it, one whole leaf of romaine lettuce. And as I saw it go past me, I said, don't throw that away. We can play a game with that. And they all kind of looked at me with this confused look on their face. So let me tell you how the game went. It came to me in about three seconds. It's pretty genius. Okay, so my thought was the lettuce on the plate will be placed on the floor. The object of the game is to pick up that piece of lettuce using only your mouth. But the catch is, both of your feet have to stay flat on the floor. Uh Uh-huh. See? I'm not kidding around. And I already had an idea in my head of how I was totally going to crush my children in this game. So I let them have their fun. They were very cute. My, one of my daughters was actually in the choir tonight with the red bandana. She did some sort of strategy where she kind of sat on the floor and kind of like tried to, you know, do a sit-up type strategy. It didn't work. It failed miserably. My other daughter tried squatting, and I'm just watching them like, oh, how cute are they? Oh, these kids think they know how to do it. My husband opted out. He did not grow up playing games. He does not care for games. He would rather just watch or go in the other room. So as I let the kids have their fun, I was like, okay, kids, let me show you how this is done. Now, I've done yoga before, and I had in my mind a specific movement that I had done many times, and I consider myself very flexible. Would you like to hear my strategy? 
We've come this far. I feel like I need to tell you my strategy. My strategy was I was going to keep both of my feet flat on the floor and I was going to widen my stance as far as I possibly could, thereby lessening the distance between my mouth and the floor. This is science. We don't argue with science, okay? So that was my plan. So I widened my stance as far as I possibly could. I'm so close to the lettuce. I am this close to the lettuce. I can see the lettuce. If lettuce had a smell, I would be able to smell it. But lettuce doesn't smell. So I'm thinking in my head, okay, I'm so close. And my kids were kind of laughing at first, but as they saw that I was getting close to the lettuce, I could hear this hush. You know, like a sacred moment in a game where a victory is about to happen. So I think, okay, all I need to do is widen my stance a little bit farther. I'm going to bend down. I'm going to pick up this lettuce. And I'm going to just crush my kids as I planned. So I widened my stance. You guys, you could hear a pin drop in here. I feel like, okay, hold on. We got to take a vote. <clears throat> Who thinks I actually won? Oh, thank you. Thank you, all five of you who thought that I won this game. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I widened my stance a little bit, and as I went to bend one more little bit, I'm touching the lettuce with my tongue, literally touching the lettuce with my tongue, and I hear a loud and feel a loud pop somewhere in this region. And as my husband described it, I literally tipped over. I didn't fall gracefully because remember how I'm like flayed out, right? Like I'm not going to do it for you. It'd be a little inappropriate. But I did not fall gracefully. I literally tipped over and I told my sister tonight, I said I was limping for four weeks after that. And that was a really fun injury to tell all my friends in spin class. Oh, how'd you hurt yourself? Well, you know, I made up this game and <laughs> it didn't go very well. But now that I have told you that I am competitive to my own physical detriment, I want to tell you that I am just a nobody who is excited to tell you about the God who told me I was somebody. And because he thinks I'm somebody to him, I get to live a life that is full of expectation and celebration because he has plans for me in my future that I would never imagine. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight, and we're so thankful that we get to be in this place, God. I'm thankful for each and every woman in this room. I'm thankful that you brought her here tonight, Lord. I think sometimes we think we're here because our friend dragged us along. She didn't want to come on her own, or our grandma made us come, or we had the night off from work. But really, Lord, the fact is, is that we are here tonight because you love us and you wanted to meet with us. Even if we don't walk with you yet, even if we don't know you, Lord, you wanted to meet with us because we mean that much to you. So I pray that each woman in this room now, her heart would be calmed. Lord, that she would feel a sense of peace. I pray that you would go before us tonight, Lord, and that you would speak in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about jubilation. What is jubilation? We don't use this word very often, right? We're not like, I am just filled with jubilation. They have a deal at Hobby Lobby. I get a 40% off coupon, just jubilation all over the place. You know, I'm so excited. But the definition of jubilation is an act of rejoicing, a feeling of great happiness or triumph. It's not just joy. It's not just happiness, but it comes after great triumph, after knowing you've won. I did not have jubilation when I tipped over. I had humiliation, which is a completely separate thing. But from a human vantage point, we think that we can only be jubilant when times are good. 
when things are going well, when we're driving down easy street and there's no traffic. But we all live in California. We know that there's never no traffic. But has anyone here ever lived with no hardships? Anyone? Show of hands. Anybody never had a hard time? Of course. We all go through hard times. Life isn't perfect and it can be difficult. But if we believe what God's word says and if we believe him, then we can celebrate no matter what the season is. And I want to talk really quick to some of you who might be here tonight. And maybe there's somebody here who's like, this is why I don't come to things like this, Aunt Edna. I can't believe I let you talk me into coming here because that girl's talking about God. And if she only knew what had gone on in my life, she would understand why I don't come to things like this, why I don't believe in that God she speaks of and I don't believe in that book. I get it. I understand there are difficulties in life, but I'm going to ask you to stick with me because it's okay if you don't believe yet because the things that we're talking about tonight are just good for your life. And who doesn't need a reason to celebrate, right? And maybe we're giving away a car later. I don't know, maybe, but you might want us to crown. I was not given that information. We are not giving away a car. <laughs> okay, fine. So jubilation, we know what it is, but where can we find it? Well, I can tell you where we can't find it. I feel like a politician when I don't answer the question. I actually say, well, let me tell you the opposite. But I can tell you where you can't find jubilation. We can't find lasting, true jubilation in our human relationships because our human relationships are flawed because we're flawed, right? We mess up in so many different ways because we're messed up people and we make mistakes. We hurt each other inadvertently or intentionally and we can lose that joy, that celebration of the relationship. Have you been there? Where you have, if you're married, you've been there. Whenever I lead worship at women's retreats and we do what's called an afterglow, you know, where you have worship and you pray, you know, the Lord will just kind of lead us to pray for people groups. You know, you're praying for somebody who has a prodigal or somebody who has an illness. And I remember there was this one retreat I was at and I said, I just feel like the Lord wants us to pray for marriages. So if you're struggling in your marriage, and I was like, mm, if you're married, why don't you just go ahead and stand up? <laughs> because you're trying to mesh these two people, right? And you're trying to put each other first, but we also are kind of selfish. And so we can't find that lasting jubilation, that lasting sense of triumph in our human relationships because our human relationships are really our feeble attempt at connecting the way we would love to connect with God. And because I'm not God and you're not God, we don't do the best job of it, right? We get glimpses, and it's so sweet that the Lord gives us friendships and marriages and mother-daughter, father-son relationships that we're able to enjoy, but it's not 100% great all the time, right? So we can't find that lasting jubilation in a relationship. We also can't find it in a location, no matter how picturesque. Well, you just came back from Mexico, right? I'm sure it was amazing. And we can go to all these different places, but we're not going to find that lasting joy, right? And that lasting jubilation because it's just a location change. Raise your hand if you think that California is expensive. So one of the other things I do is I'm a real estate agent. So I get it. California is expensive. I was talking to Amanda and she said, yeah, so-and-so just moved to Idaho. I was like, everybody's moving to Idaho. Everybody's moving to Idaho, Wyoming. And my husband always kind of 
dreams about, wouldn't it be cool to move to like Montana or Colorado or Wyoming? And I think all of those places would be nice. And don't get me wrong. It sounds super dreamy, right? I could pick out the home I wanted. I could pick out my own. We live in a rental home right now. I'm like a total, what do you call that when you're one thing? I'm a realtor, but I live in a rental home. Anyway, that's what I am. A hyperbole? Oxymoron? Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's what I am. Okay, moving on. So I think it would be super dreamy to not have to have Formica countertops and floor that I didn't choose. But if I could move to another place where I could purchase the countertops I wanted and the farmhouse sink. What's that called? A farmhouse sink? Farm sink. Is that what it's called? Yeah. We all know it's a Joanna Gaines sink. That's what it really is. You know what? While we're talking about Joanna Gaines, let's forget about all the things I'm picking. Let's just bring Joanna Gaines to my house in Idaho, <laughs> and she can make it beautiful. And it would be incredible, and I would love it. But guess what? The only thing about a location that changes is the location. A location doesn't change me. The beautiful things inside my house don't change me. I still have the same struggles. I still have the same difficulties because guess who is still there? Me. <laughs> and I think sometimes we think if I just move somewhere, if I just change jobs, if I went here, if I went there, if I left this church and went to another church, I'll be so much better. But guess what? You're still going to be at that other church in that other job. And you're still going to struggle with those things because the joy will fade in those new things. I could have my beautiful Joanna Gaines appointed house and the joy will fade the next time I need a paint job or a plumbing repair or a new roof. So these things, these locations and these people will not give us lasting jubilation. So where can we find it? Where can we find this happiness and triumph? Because triumph leads you to lasting joy because you're not worried about winning. You're not worried about picking up lettuce off a plate because you've already won, which is a really sad example for that. But you're not worried about winning because you've already won. And the only way that we can have this lasting jubilation is connection with God. True celebration, true joy only comes in connection with God because that is the only thing that is constant you can know that your God who created you, whether you believe in him or not right now, he created you and the whole world, the whole universe around you. Can we say something really quick? The universe, no, 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 you don't have to say it. It was a pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> Sorry, you can say it if you want. I want to say this really quick though. The universe doesn't do anything for us. We can't throw things out to the universe and expect them to happen. Do you know why? Because the universe is too busy being the universe to do anything for you. We think about, we throw this out to the universe and just see what happens. Cool. But you're bypassing the creator of the entire universe who would love to change your life. And meanwhile, we're thinking, I'll just throw it out to the universe. Maybe it's because there's not a lot of responsibility involved in just throwing something out there. But God wants to have connection with us. And that is the only thing that is constant. The only thing that will not change is that God created you. He knows you. He made you. And he wants to connect with you. And that's what we're seeking in life. 
And there wasn't always connection. If you are into reading the Bible and you're into the Old Testament, and I've been going through the Old Testament this last year, and I'm like, the Bible is so not boring, you guys. If you think the Bible is boring, you need to read it again. Because it is exciting. It's more exciting than Netflix, for sure, if you take the time. But back in the day, in the Old Testament, and you may already know this, but I'm just going to tell you anyway, there was a temple. And that was where people went to meet with God. That's where they went to worship God. But in order to worship God, they had to get rid of the wrong things, the sin that they had done, because it separated them from God, their creator. So they would take their sacrifices, usually an animal, aren't you glad we don't have to do that anymore, to the temple, and they would make a sacrifice which would make them able to be clean and be able to worship God. Now, when they would go to the temple, there were these priests, and the priests were the ones who went before God. Does anybody know what the name, this is a little pop quiz, Bible pop quiz, are you ready? I'm like, what is the thing called in the temple, the very sacred place where God's presence dwelled? What is it called? The Holy of Holies. Look at this church. Look at these women. They know their word. I'm talking, preaching to the choir, pun intended, but... The priests were the only ones who could go into the Holy of Holies. And you couldn't just be a priest. Like, you couldn't, like, bring your references and be like, so I'm really good at sacrifices, and I didn't know if you were hiring for a priest. But you'll notice in my references that I've been doing this for about three years, and my specialty is lambs. You know, like, no. You had to be a Levite. You had to be of the tribe of Levi to be a priest. And if you were a priest, you got to go in to the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelled. The presence of God, the Holy of Holies, was divided from the rest of the temple by a veil. It's basically curtains, but they're not your grandma's drapes, right? They're inches thick, and what they represented was sin, the wrong things we do, what was separating us from God, what was separating the people in that day. There was constant separation between people and God that required sacrifice to be able to come before him, and God hated that separation. He didn't want his people far. He wanted his people close. And so God did what he had to do to bridge the gap between people who he had created and him. And along came Jesus. And that's what we're celebrating. John 1.14 says, The word became human. And he made his home among us. Jesus came because God wanted connection with us, a forever connection. And in order to be connected, we needed forgiving. And he sent Jesus long before you came along, long before you even thought about him, heard about him. He thought of you. The Bible says that when we were at our worst, pause and think for a second. Your worst. If it hasn't happened yet, it's coming. But when you were at your worst, God sent Jesus. That's crazy. He didn't wait to see if we deserved to be saved and forgiven because he knew that we would never deserve it. You know why? Because God is omniscient, a fancy word for he knows everything. Past, present, future. Kind of like those history timelines you used to have to do in school. Aren't you glad that's over? But you could see, God can see our entire timeline. And he knows all the things that are going to happen in our lives. He's able to see every single bit of it. But he still said, nope, that one's worth it. 
I'm going to do this for that one. And the Bible says that there is none who are good. So if I think, well, I don't do bad things. I've never been at my worst. The Bible says no one does good, not even one. And those good works that we do kind of become something that we're prideful about because we're good. So God came for all of that, and he still thought that you were worth the price that he paid. God sent Jesus. Jesus came knowing everything he would have to do, and he came with a mission, and he was God enough to complete it. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, and I'm going to read this to you guys in the message version. The message version is, it's, more, it's less of a translation, more like a commentary. It's kind of how I would explain it to you in my own words. So Romans 5, verses 6 through 8 says, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death when we were of no use whatsoever to him. That should like boggle your mind. When somebody gives you life when you don't deserve it, when you're of no use, to them. And what that means is while we were no, of no use to him, it means while we were still sinful, when we were at our worst, when we were doing the things we knew were wrong, when we were ignoring God, I've been there, when we were at our worst and didn't even care about God, he sent Jesus. Why? Because he wanted connection with you. And he knew that one day we would realize that we need him. Some of us in this room have already had that day, and I wonder if today might be that day for you. When Jesus died, the Bible says that the veil was torn from top to bottom by God's own hand. It's as if God said, hey, you know what? You can come in here now too. You're welcome to come in now too. No more priests, nobody who's holier than you, cleaner than you. You get to come in because Jesus' death was our death. Jesus' death was our triumph, and he did it before we even knew him. He paid our debts once and for all, and this is why we can be jubilant all the time. Nothing will ever change what he did for you because what did he say on the cross? Do you remember three words? It is finished. It is done. It is completed. No matter where you've been, no matter where you are or where you'll go, Jesus' death on the cross completed what you needed forever. But what about when life is hard? And I want to acknowledge right now that there are people in this room who are going through the worst time of your life. And the holidays can be hard when maybe there's somebody who's not here this year who was here last year. And I don't want you to think that I'm saying, come on, keep your chin up, be jubilant. This is not a pep talk. I don't want to minimize anybody's suffering and make it seem like, well, if you're not celebrating, then you must not be walking with God. If you have a heavy heart, I want you to know that God sees it and he knows it. And that through those things, God wants us to see things differently. And I don't know your situation I don't even know your name, but I know that God does. 
and I can trust you with him. Romans 5 goes on in verses 3 through 5 and tells us there is more to come. This is what we can bank on when we're suffering, when we want to be jubilant, when we want to have joy, but we just can't. And we might say, how am I supposed to have joy in this? This is our answer. It says, there is more to come. We can continue to shout our praise even when we are hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert to whatever God will do next. You've got your eyes open now. You don't understand this, but you've got your eyes open because you trust God. And in alert expectancy such as this, we've never We are never left feeling shortchanged. On the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything that God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. When we believe God, not believe in him, that's something, but when we believe him, when my husband tells me something, I believe him. If he tells me he's got me flowers, I believe he means it. You can believe God, and when you do, when you believe that Jesus' death was enough for you, you're given new lenses to see. Where life used to feel pointless, there's now purpose. He gives us eyes to see past our troubles and trust him. Again, over here, Lord, this does not make sense to me. I don't like this. It's uncomfortable, but I can trust you. You can be confident, my friend, who is going through a heartache in this moment, that though I don't know you, I don't know your name, and I don't know your heartaches and your troubles, you can know that God is still God. He has not forgotten about you. You have not fallen through the cracks. Have you ever felt that way? Well, that's true for her and her and her, but I don't know. God always just seems to forget about me. So not true. A flat-out lie because the God who created the entire universe bends his ear to you. Not just us, but to me and to you individually. He's standing beside you and he's waiting and he'll hold you up when you can't seem to stand. Amen? Has God held you up before when you couldn't seem to stand? I wrote this song one time, um, and my husband and I were going through this really difficult time, and I was, we had gotten in a huge argument, and um, I was sitting in the parking lot of a mother's market in Huntington Beach on Beach Boulevard. I literally, you know, you remember where you were, it was a rainy day, like all these things were happening, and I was just sitting in my car because in my mind, our marriage was over, and I was sitting in my car watching Beach Boulevard and watching the traffic just go, 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 go. And I just wanted to get out of my car and just go, stop, because my world was ending. And I didn't understand how everything around me could keep on going, how the flowers could keep on growing and how the rain could keep falling and how cars could keep driving. When I was falling apart, I just needed a break. But God met me, and he held me up when I couldn't stand. You know what you got to do, my friend? Be honest with God. I think sometimes we are afraid of offending God. He can handle it, okay? Because if you look through the Bible, all kinds of really great faith-filled people and heroes of the Bible were filled with fear. Gideon was hiding. 
And we don't always talk about that part. We talk about his army and all the great things he did. Oh, it's okay if you're filled with fear at the moment. You just have to know where to go with it. You don't walk through life and be like, I'm just fearful. I, I don't drive on the freeway. I'm afraid of the freeway. Or I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that. God wants to heal in such a deep way that you're not controlled by that fear. Fear will keep you from running to God. And he's just there waiting with his arms open. He can handle your heart and he can handle your unbelief. And if you give him the opportunity, he'll make you believe him. For sure. He will make you believe him. So don't bother trying to keep it from him. Can we just make a deal? You're going to be honest with God? Because some of my most profound prayers to God have been one-word prayers. Why? How? God. And he meets us. And he prays for us. What? Because he bends his ear to you. The door to Jesus is the door to jubilation. Romans 5 verses 1 through 2 says... By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, which is set us right with him and to make us fit for him, we have it all together because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and we discover that at the same moment, he has already thrown open his door to us. And we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting his praise. I'm a worship leader, like Denise said before, and I don't stand still. <laughs> I can't stand still because I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just that kind of a person. I can't stand still. And when we're waiting, praising and worshiping God and I find myself moving, sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, am I moving around a little bit too much? But you know what? I'm stoked because of what God has done in my life. And if it's not distracting to you, I think we're good, right? Because I don't want to be quiet. I love that it says that when we open our door, we're like, okay, God, you can come in. It's like he's all, what took you so long? I've been here all along waiting for you. His arms have been open, waiting, longing to be reconnected with you. And that, again, that connection that we have with God doesn't get rid of the hardships. It gives us new lenses. It helps us see things differently. Where life had no purpose, we now see with clear eyes that there is more. We go from grumbling to glorifying, from pouting to praising. Jesus came and he keeps on coming and he's not giving up on you. Sorry. There was a time in my life where I was walking away from God. And I, I've, I've been a Christian since I was little, little, little. And I had to really purpose in my heart, like, I'm not walking with God anymore because I want to do this thing. And I had the sense to know I can't do this thing and say I walk with God. So I'm just not going to walk with God because I want to do this thing right now. And... I remember thinking in that time, gosh, I wish God would just leave me alone. <laughs> I kept seeing him keeping me from things. I wanted to do this thing, and I was so frustrated that I just, I, I couldn't do it. He wasn't letting me sin. <laughs> and now I'm so thankful for the ways that he protected me, for the doors that were bolted shut for me, for things that are not in my story that could have been. Because there's a lot of junk in my story but there's not as much junk as there could have been. 
And that's God's protection, even when I wished he would have left me alone. He's like, nope. But I think that sometimes coming to God can involve a little unnecessary fear. Fear of, what does this mean for me? Wait, she's telling me that I should try and connect with God? What does that mean? What do I have to give up? What do I have to change? (laughs) Am I going to have to give up my best friends? My boyfriend? Maybe. Maybe not. Am I going to have to be like my grandma? (laughs) But I think the most important question that might make us fearful is what if I mess up? When I was a little girl, I was very, very clumsy. And you actually heard a story about my clumsiness, so not a lot has changed. (laughs) But when I was a little girl, I think I was probably about maybe seven or eight. And my dad tells me the story that I got this present, and I don't know if it was my birthday or if it was Christmas, but you remember those happy face mugs before emojis? There was one emoji, right? The yellow happy face. See? We all know what age we are just by that. My favorite emoji is this one. (laughs) So I opened up this box, and in that box was a yellow happy face mug. And I was so excited, and I pulled it out, and I dropped it. (laughs) And it broke into a bunch of pieces, and my dad tells me, that I looked up at him with the saddest, like picture me as like a seven-year-old. Got it? I'm for sure not wearing heels. (laughs) Probably dirty toes. Anyway, going too far with the story. But I dropped the mug and my dad says that I looked up at him with tears in my eyes and I just said, I break everything. And I really believed that for my whole life. I lived in this perpetual state of I mess everything up I break everything. Nobody's safe with me around. My friend, you cannot mess up the plans that God has for your life. I like to think about our lives as a movie. It already has a script. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's a musical score. There are characters in your story. And it's already been completed. It's been made to completion. And we don't get to know everything that's going on in our life. But I can tell you what, your life is full of triumph. Sure, it's full of fear and trepidation, but what great story isn't full of all sorts of things? No great story is without some twists and turns. But your story is completely written. It's done. Remember how I told you the fancy word, omniscient? That means that God knows everything. It's as if this this play, not play, this movie has already been written and recorded, and we're just watching a rerun that God's already seen. That should give us comfort to know that Not in a boring way, like, oh, I'm just watching a rerun. But to know that God knows the entire story. He knows everything that's happened. He hasn't lost you like, oh, no, where did I put her? Where did I put her? These humans keep messing everything up. Ah! I just, like, a few times tonight, God has wanted me to say that you have not fallen through the cracks. That's for somebody 
You have not fallen through the cracks. God has not forgotten about you. Our story is like a movie that God wrote. And the most important scene in your story happened 2,000 years ago, and you weren't even in the scene. But you were thought of. Every moment of your life, you have been known and seen and heard by the God who created the universe, the God who loves you and knows you and wants more for you. He wants you to have that life that's full of jubilation. And I want to ask the choir to come back up. Um, and as they're coming up, I want to just share a little something with you before we start singing. The work that Jesus came to do has already been done to completion. And there is no way that you could mess up what he has planned. Because again, he'd be a pretty weak God if he was like, ah, oh, humans, they mess up everything. I can't do anything with these humans around messing everything up. He's so much bigger than your mistakes. So much bigger than your mistakes, past, present, and future. And that connection that Jesus came to buy for us is forever. That is the connection that allows you to not have to go to a priest, to not have to go to somebody holier. You get to have a direct line to God. Why? Because you're his daughter. If you're the daughter of the CEO with the corner office, you're the only one who gets to go in there whenever you want. Everybody else needs an appointment, but not you. You know where the candy is in there? You know where the little mini Coca-Cola cans are? You are the CEO's daughter. And if you're afraid that you are not going to be received and accepted, you've just forgotten who you are. That's a misunderstanding. And I want to remind you something. There's this quote, and I love this quote. And when I looked it up, I was like, okay, who, who, who said this thing? And you know when you look up anything on the internet now? You have no idea who really actually said it. There's some meme that says, the problem with quotes on the internet is you never know if they're real or not. And then it was attributed to Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> but this quote is, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. And because God has already won through Jesus' death on the cross, we have triumph. We've already won. We're not fighting to win. We've already won. We can try and win stupid lettuce games, right? Or we can sit back and say, God, I trust you. I believe you. Because of his victory on the cross, we can have jubilation in everything. Romans 5 says, and we're going to read this and then we're going to sing. Now that we are set right with God by means of this sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of this resurrection life. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship, remember connection with God? We're no longer content to simply say it in plotting praise. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus, the Messiah. Let's sing this song together.
my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord, my soul magnifies the Lord. He has done great things, great things for me, my soul, my soul.
great things for us, and this is cause to celebrate. Amen. The God who sent Jesus, that changed your whole story that was already written, removes the fear from your life because you've already won. And I wonder if you're living in a time, if you're living in a perpetual state of victory or defeat. If you're living in a state of defeat, you're living in the wrong place. That's a location you need to change. Jubilation doesn't live there for sure. And I want to give you guys an opportunity while we just have a few more minutes and then we're going to sing one last song. But remember the part in the scripture where we read that when we open our arms to God, we find that he's already had his arms open to us. And he's like, what took you so long? I've been here all along. I want to give you guys an opportunity. If you have never given God your life and said, I believe you. I believe in you, but I also believe you. And I'm tired of throwing thoughts out to the universe because nothing ever happens. Because the universe doesn't answer you. Can we agree on that? Yes, it does not. (laughs) But the creator of the universe would love to answer you. And so I want to give you guys an opportunity. If you have never said, you know what, if that's true, then I want that. And you don't have to understand everything. And you don't have to be fearful because you are a daughter of the king. He created you. And he wants you to be his because he wants to show you the story that he's already written for your life that's completed that you are not going to mess up no matter what. So can we all close our eyes really quick and pray? God, we come before you and we thank you for this truth in your word, Lord, that says that from beginning to the end, you know everything. I thank you that it removes the fear. It removes our power from messing up our lives, God. I thank you that no matter where we've come from, no matter where we are now, and no matter what we will do, you know it already. And you still looked at us and said, yep, I want that one. I want him. I want her. (laughs) And I want to ask that if you don't know that you are loved by God and you don't know that there is more to this life than just being here for a while, living a mediocre life, dying, and just hoping that something good happens after that, if that's you and you want more than that, you want promise and hope for the future, I want you to just slip your hand up so I can see it. Because this is your moment. This is where God gets to show you who he really is and who you really are because of him. Don't waste this opportunity. My friend out there who feels like she has fallen through the cracks, that God just keeps forgetting about her, would you just pop your hand up, please? super proud of you. That was really courageous. God, we come before you right now and we pray for this sister, Lord, who feels like you just kind of keep forgetting about her and that things happen for everybody else, but nothing ever happens for her. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would minister to her heart right now in a powerful, mighty way, Lord. Would you show her, even if it's for the first time, that you have not forgotten about her, that before the beginning of time, before you even created the world, the animals, the oceans, you created all of these things that we think are beautiful, but you look at her and you say she is beautiful and worth dying for. I pray for her now, Lord. I pray that that truth would just get deep into her heart, that you would clean out the clutter of a life that's been filled with doubt and fear. And I pray, God, that you would fill her with hope. 
Just like your word says, you give us a future and a hope and things we wouldn't even think to ask for. I thank you, God, that you are true and that we can believe you. And we pray, God, that you would help us to walk in this jubilation, walk in this perpetual state of celebration because we walk in a perpetual state of victory. We thank you for meeting with us tonight, Lord. We thank you for connecting with us tonight. And we want more of that. So I pray that you would send us out in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, come, let us adore. Oh, come, let us adore. Oh, come, let us adore. Oh, 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 oh,
And that was beautiful. Thank you, School of Worship Choir. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, band. If you tonight responded to Shannon's message and opened up your heart to the Lord, we want to, we would love for you to come talk with us. And there's going to be a few women. I think we'll have our prayer girls just go over in that corner. It'll be a little quieter. We have a gift for you and a Bible. And we would just love to hear that today, on December 13th, 2019, at the women's event, you gave your life to Christ. Also, for anyone here that needs prayer for anything, those women are available. As Shannon said, sometimes there's just hard things that we're still going through in the midst of a celebratory time. So we're here for you. Those gals will be over here. Um, I want to just thank Shannon so much for that message. Thank you. Thank you very much. Just want to remind you also that as you leave tonight, there's a resource table that has information on the School of Worship. Okay, I just want to say, if you uh, need convincing of the reality and the authenticity of the love of Jesus, there's 65 young people standing here on a Friday night after their semester's over, singing their hearts out to worship the King. Something is true there. So don't leave without that tonight, ladies. Shannon's also got some resource material out there, and I've been listening to some of her podcasts. She's so refreshing, and that's the name of her ministry, Refresh. She's like, what are they, like 10, 15 minutes? Less, less. Uh, <laughs> she, she's the real deal, too. She's amazing. And, you know, she shared so many good things tonight, but she, she said the word connect. And I know most of us in this room could so heartily sing that my soul magnifies because God reached out and connected with us. But you know what? You're leaving here tonight, and you're going into a world that he still wants to connect with. And guess how he does that? He does it through triumphant lives. Triumphant lives. So if you need prayer to go boldly out, get prayer before you leave tonight. But I loved that, that encouragement from her to live in triumph. And I know, I don't always do it either. Had my moments this morning that weren't so triumphant. <laughs> But his mercies are new and grace abounds. So if you loved what these young people were doing, loved what Shannon's saying, follow up. And, and I agree with Denise. If you've got young people and you've been praying for your children to love and serve Jesus, I think this school of worship is an amazing ministry. Plus, I really happen to just love Scott Cunningham. He was my kid's youth pastor. And I love everything about him. So... Um, so pick up resources on your way out. Okay, well, thank you again to all the table hostesses. Thank you, men, for serving us. I want to give a shout-out to Stacy Henschel, Nicole Pagakis, and the team for all the decor and everybody who helped in any way. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
Sing. Mm-hmm. 